So relationships are a big deal, but they often go wrong, don't they? Relationships are hard. Particularly relationships between parents and children are notorious for going wrong. It seems like every generation says something like, kids these days. Every generation says it. Oh, they're heaps worse than when I was young. Always up to no good. Never doing anything right. The real problem these days is a lack of respect. When are children going to respect their elders? But it happens the other way too, doesn't it? Uh, we call our parents the old man and the old lady. As soon as we're old enough to leave home, uh, we do so and never look back. You hear the same people who say kids these days talking about how they can't wait to put their parents in a home. Christmas dinners and family get-togethers are spoken about as if they're the worst day of the year, often. And the only way to make them bearable is to drink so much you've got a bit of Dutch courage on board. And honestly, there's a lot of truth to some of these sayings. There's often a huge tension, isn't there, between parents and their children, whether they're still at home or whether they're adults. And so reading this commandment may seem like a huge weight is being added to your shoulders. On top of everything else, God calls us to more with our family. On top of all the other stuff in our lives, we've now got to face that. And some of you may have fantastic parents. You've got a loving functional, joyful relationship going on. You take pleasure uh, in seeing your children and seeing your parents. And as we talk through some of these issues, they're not going to be difficult for you. You might have a strong desire to honour your parents, to honour the, the ones who poured their hearts and their lives into yours. Your heart might leap for joy at the idea of bringing honour to your parents. However, others amongst us will struggle more than that. Sadly, some of us have had really poor examples of fatherhood and less than caring mothers. Some have constant painful battles with parents who seem to be nothing but trouble. And for those of you who are struggling in that way, today we want to acknowledge that the world is filled with sin that has brought about a deep imperfection in this world, including in our parents. And that none of us have perfect parents. And for those here who struggle to know how to honour, we want to help you understand what this looks like. Acknowledging the struggle and bringing compassion. We want to help you understand how we should and, and how we shouldn't Think about this commandment. The one big question that we want to answer today is what does it mean to honour my imperfect parents? Okay, what does it mean to honour my imperfect parents? So come with me as we open this up and we're going to explore firstly, well we're going to explore what honour means really. And firstly, to do this, we have to maybe talk a little bit about what honour doesn't mean. So that's what we're going to start. What doesn't honour mean? 
Spend a few moments looking at what shouldn't happen if things go badly wrong. Because it's easy to assume here uh, what honour means, what this passage means. We think we know all that it entails, but honestly, some of this might be a little bit surprising for us. The first thing that honour doesn't mean is it doesn't necessarily mean obedience. It doesn't necessarily mean obedience. We'll get into this a little bit more in depth later. But this commandment doesn't actually mention obedience. Maybe you need to reread it. We, we assume it means obey, but it actually says to honour. And this is the case particularly for adult children. Ezekiel 20, 18 actually encourages uh, some adult children to not follow their fathers or to keep their rules. Don't follow them. Parents can be wrong and lead us away from what is right and shouldn't be followed into wickedness or even into foolishness. In Acts 5.29, the apostles say that they should be obeying God rather than man. Our parents aren't always to be obeyed. Another thing honouring doesn't mean. Honouring shouldn't be looked at as a one-sided command. Have you ever seen a parent use this commandment as a weapon? Has anyone ever seen that? Uh, eat your carrots. Why? Honour your father and mother, that's why. <laughs> you know, uh, Do as I say, not as I do. Why? Honour your father and mother. You need to go to uni and become a doctor or a lawyer, preferably both. Why? Honour your father and mother. It's used as an instrument to get our children to do whatever we want them to do. And we shouldn't look at this commandment and say that. Children don't, aren't the only ones to bear responsibility in this commandment. Ephesians 6, which Amy read, uh, opens up that, there's another, that alongside this is the commandment not to, for parents not to exasperate their children as well. Parents don't have free reign to do whatever they want because their children are asked to honour them. There's a few other things that honouring doesn't mean. It doesn't mean putting up with abuse. Abuse could be physical, for example. Where a child, or even an adult, is being assaulted, pushed around, or bullied. We don't put up with mental abuse either. Where, where someone with a stronger mind, or a faster or more practiced tongue, tears apart discussion or, or attempts at reason, putting down the less experienced or the less verbally adept in order to win and beat them and abuse them. Emotional abuse is the same. Where someone's emotionally crushed and mistreated to destroy their spirit and cause them to submit. That's abuse. It even becomes financial, and this often happens with adults, where your dependence on someone is used to control you. Maybe you've been threatened to take, be taken out of the will, uh, that there'll be financial penalties, that you'll be left penniless, kicked out of the family home, something like that. And honestly, as I, as I thought about and wrote down these things, I have to acknowledge that these are really extreme examples. But we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, behind smiling faces. And sadly, this stuff happens. 
We don't have to smile and say it's all okay. We don't have to put up with abuse. That's not what honouring means. So what does honouring mean? Well, the word honour here is a fantastic word. It's used all over the place in scripture. Its basic meaning is to give weight to something. Okay? To make something weighty. To give something substance. When it's used in reference to God, we translate this glorify. We're giving weight, we're giving substance, we're giving glory to God. When we're talking about people, we're thinking about words like honour, respect, giving them weight or value in your life. Uh, Weight here kind of means value. Uh, There's a story, I'm never actually sure if it's true or not, but it's uh, maybe a helpful way to understand. There's a story about a, a really classy restaurant that maybe wasn't making quite as much money as they wanted and And they wanted to increase their profit margin. Uh, And at first they looked into uh, doing up the dining hall, doing some big renovations, pour a couple of hundred grand into the place, make it look really plush and nice, and everyone will enjoy it more and will be able to charge more. But that was a lot of work, a lot of downtime, and so they thought, well, maybe if we made the food even better quality, uh, let's get some more exotic ingredients Let's get a a better chef and pay him a bit more money. Let's use better suppliers and get the quality up a little bit more. But they decided that wasn't really going to help them either. So they got some experts in, and the advice of the experts wasn't to do any of these things. It was actually to buy heavier cutlery. That was the sum total of the advice that they were given. Buy heavier cutlery. And when the people are eating, subconsciously, unconsciously, they will have a feeling of quality because of the weight. And that that feeling of quality is going to be added to the way that they perceive the renovations, the quality of the food, the quality of the chef. The weight of something is linked to value and the way that we perceive all those things. When we think of this word honour, we're thinking of a weightiness, we're thinking of giving, attributing value to our parents. Honouring our parents means to give them weight in our lives, to hold them up, to be valuable, giving them honour and respect. Why do we honour them, though? Why? Why parents? We honour them because they are a God-given authority in our lives. Okay? They're a God-given authority in our lives. God actually sees authority as a good thing. It's very different from our culture today, isn't it? Which is anti-authority. Everything, anything that's been said by someone in authority needs to be torn down and rechecked and rebuilt. But God loves authority. It's something to be respected and honoured. In fact, in the passage Amy read in Ephesians 6, that's opened up to other forms of authority. Slaves and their masters. Also, employers and their employees. Authority is a good thing. Parents aren't the only authority God gives them, but parental authority is one of the most basic and fundamental types of authority in our cultures and in our lives. And so it's put down here as the primary example. Parents, you have authority over your children. Our world will try and take that away. It will try and tell us that we don't. But you have God-given authority over your children. Children 
children, <laughs> your parents have authority over you. It's a gift to you from God. It's a wonderful gift from God. So when we talk about honouring, as children, this looks different from parents. So children, the way that you honour your parents is primarily through obeying them. I haven't got the attention of any children in the room. I can, I can see this. <laughs> it's good. They've picked up on our culture. No authority at all. Children, honouring means obedience. Ephesians opens it up and says directly, obey your parents in the Lord. Your parents have been put there by God to have authority until you're grown. Kids, honour your parents. Why? Not just because God's put them there, but also because they're wiser than you. They're older than you. They have more life experience. They know what's going on in this world. And not only that, your parents are dedicated to leading you towards what is good. And so we honour them even when we don't like it. Or when we don't understand why they're asking us to do something, or even if we see a better way, we're still called to honour by <laughs> obeying. And it's not just the simple act of obedience that we're called to here. I've talked before about the keys to obedience. Does anybody remember the keys to obedience or anybody heard about them? My kids will have, but they're not going to put up their hands. The, there are four keys to obedience that I quickly want to talk. Oh, well, there's five. There we go. I've got four. Four keys to obedience that I want to talk about quickly for your kids so you can help understand what honouring your parents looks like. Pardon me. See, my parents, when I was a kid, asked me to do all sorts of things. Hey, Phil, can you put, uh, put that big stack of books that's lying out all over the coffee table away? They've been out there for ages. Could you clear them up, please? I could do this wrongly in four different ways. Firstly, the attitude that I have could just be one of grumpiness. Can you imagine it, kids? You can see it. Fine. I'll do it. And you pick up the books and you march them over here and you throw them on the shelf like that. There. Done. I've obeyed. But we haven't, really, have we? Until we do it with a cheerful attitude, it's not obedience at all. The quality of obedience is important too. I mean, I could come along and I could spend just one minute putting away the books. I could grab just half of them and just sort of put them anywhere on the shelf or, or throw them on the ground in front and leave the rest till later. And that wouldn't be obedience either. I could say I put some, on the books, some of the books away, but they're not done obediently. Our obedience needs to be complete. Kids, how often have your parents had to ask you to obey? Not once, but about ten times. How often have the books been left there on the coffee table for one day, two days, a week later, your parents are still saying, Phil, why are the books still there? Why haven't you put them away yet? You might eventually put them away, but if it's done a week later or a day later or even an hour after your parents have asked you to, it's still not obedience. And the last key to obedience is to do it without complaining. Because honestly, I could pick those books up and say, why is this me? 
Alan read these books too. He's half the trouble. Why do you get me to do all this at the time? I'm only a kid. Why am I put in slavery here? I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I hate this job. That's not obedience either. It's not just the act, but the way in which we do these things. We're called to honour our parents. We're called by God. For children, it's often pretty simple. It's difficult. Yes, I know. It's hard to obey, but it is simple. It's easy to understand. But as we grow through the teenage years towards complete independence from our children, uh, from our parents, obedience is no longer how we honour them. Honouring looks different. In fact, it's the task of our parents to move us towards that place of independence where we're making our own decisions and we're responsible for the consequences of those decisions. That's their job, to get us to that place where we no longer need to obey them. But at the same time as being independent, we're still called to obey. Whether you're 18 or 21 or 38, this commandment doesn't stop. In fact, surprisingly, for those of you who may be hearing, expecting to hear a sermon about children, this commandment seems to be directed primarily towards adults. God is speaking at the foot of Mount Sinai to his people gathered. He hasn't took off all the children to, to hub kids to Sinai kids and gone, here's one for you. This is directed towards the whole audience, predominantly adults. So how do independent adults honour their imperfect parents? Well, I've got six ways. In fact, I don't have six ways. Uh, Tim Chalice has six ways. Uh, I don't usually go looking for someone else to do my, my homework for me. But this week I read uh, his blog as part of my research and found that he had put these six things so well that I did not want to change them at all. So I want to bring before you six different ways that are really excellent ways for adults to honour imperfect, broken parents. You may want to uh, write these down. Uh, I found them incredibly helpful. The first way to honour your imperfect parents is to forgive them. Forgive them. They are imperfect. They have failed you. You don't need to gloss over that. But holding on to anger and resentment is not honouring. You don't need to pretend it never happened, but you do need to forgive as Jesus forgave you. The second way to honour our parents is to speak well of them. If you've ever been in a little group with some of your workmates, you'll know how easy it is to join in put-downs. And if you get into the subject of parents, it's the same. It's easy to air your dirty laundry, but we're called to do more. Uh, have you ever been to a wedding or a 21st where they have those uh, speeches? At a wedding or a 21st or, or even at a funeral, 
we get to see the very best parts of people's lives put on display. I've been at, uh, at parties before where I went feeling obligated because I didn't really like the person and left going, man, this person's absolutely awesome. I love these people. I want to get to know them more because the best of those people are put on display, not the worst. Highlight the best of your parents. Leave out the worst in the way that you speak about them. The third way is to seek out their wisdom. No matter how old you are, they're older. That's the way parenthood works. They're always older. They have more experience, even if it's experience with making mistakes. And there's something to be learned from everyone. And coming to your parents, seeking their wisdom, their input, their direction is a beautiful way to convey your deep respect for them. I, I can't wait for my kids to be old enough to approach me like that, to come to me as adults to another, to their adult parent, and ask for my help and my advice. It's something I long to be able to do in my kids' lives. What parent doesn't want to speak into their children's lives? doesn't want to be seen as a source of wisdom, wouldn't feel valued by being sought out by their adult children. Seek their wisdom. The fourth way to honour them is to esteem them publicly and privately. Esteem is sort of another word for give them weight, give them value. Not only, to par not only uh, do parents want to invest in their kids... They want to see that they already have. Parents want to see this. They want to know that some positive part of them is now in you. That the best of them is now reflected in the best of you. Uh, I've got a little slide here. Can we, can we show the slide? Well, is that going to work? This is a picture that I saw uh, two or three years ago. That's a beautiful picture of, of, in, of, a, of a parent investing in their child. And certainly as a father, this is what I feel parenthood is often like. Giving away parts of yourself to your children. Giving them the best of you to make them the best that they can be. Thanks, Andrew. The, when we uh, come to our parents... And, and tell them, show them, esteem them by saying, this is what you've made me to be. This is the type of person you have been and you've helped me to become the person I am today. That's bringing great honour to our parents. Esteem them publicly and privately. This is the father. This is the mother who made me who I am today. Aren't they wonderful? The fifth way is to support them. Uh, Christians don't abandon their parents. In today's culture, where we have a government that provides health care and various other forms of assistance, and when parents get old, even an aid or a carer can be provided, our parents, whether they are fit or elderly, need our support. Uh, there's a quote here from Kent Hughes, who's, who's a commentator on many different things. And he says that there's still a Christian obligation for hands-on, loving care. 
Nurses may be employed, but there must be more. The care cannot be done by proxy, by someone else doing it, by paying someone else to love your parents for you. Emotional neglect and abandonment is not an option, for such conduct is worse than an unbeliever. We're called to support our parents as a way to honour them. The last way is to provide for them. Uh, Many parents these days are doing the opposite, aren't they? Uh, As they get older, they've built some wealth and they're still providing for their parents in their old age. I actually went to my my mum just uh, last week and asked for a loan to buy a car. Parents can support their children and there's nothing wrong with that. But some parents uh, won't be able to provide for you financially. They will actually need you to provide for them. To have a parent living on nothing but the pension when there are children around who can support them, is not shame on the government. It's shame on the children who refuse to selflessly, selflessly care for the ones who once cared for them. Having the parents-in-law in the house to stay... Uh, sending out a weekly bit of cash for them, dropping off some groceries every fortnight, shouldn't be an oddity of Asian cultures. It should be a hallmark of Christian culture to look after and provide for our children. Now, I suspect that each of us has failed to lift up our parents in ways like this. I've certainly felt convicted of several of these things myself throughout the week. It's hard, isn't it, to do this? But as disciples of Jesus, we follow him in how he led. Have you noticed that Jesus uh, obeyed both his heavenly and his earthly parents? Here we have God become a man, and yet he obeyed Mary and Joseph. Uh, Luke 2.52 says that Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph after he's been, uh, we went down, uh, sorry, after he's been to the temple, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. What would it have been like to see Jesus with a growing knowledge of who he was and the authority he came with uh, from God the Father sitting in the temple with the teachers of the people of Israel and amazing them with his answers, blowing them away with the authority in which he spoke, knowing that he was in the house of his true father and to go back with parents who did not understand what he's saying or who he truly is. To go back to the small town of Nazareth and submit to his parents' will. What Jesus is doing here is honouring the imperfect earthly parents that he has, who are not his equals intellectually or spiritually or in any way equal to him in who he is, but Jesus recognises the authority that that they've been given over him and so he honours them. Now, I'm conscious I've been going a little while, um, I'd like to quickly deal with the last thing that honouring is not from our passage. Honouring is not 
a recipe for old age. Have you read um, the last bit of the commandment? Honour your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, when we read this, we often say, all right, I honour my parents, I get to live to an old age. But this promise here is not for individuals. That's not the way we want to read it. To those that honour their parents, God promises that they will live long in the land, but this is not a formula for long life. God is speaking to a people who are about to enter the promised land. That's the land he's talking about here. And in the Ten Commandments and in the rest of this book, God is giving them a way of living in the land that's part of his covenant with them. And the covenant, the contract between his people and God is that if they keep the commandments, the covenant, and the way of living that God gives them, God will continue to bless them and cause them to continue to live in the land he's given them and not kick them out. That's what God's talking about here. As they continue to honour and look after their ageing parents so that those parents can live long in the land, God will give those people long lives of blessing in the land. He's saying, you help them stay in the land, I'll help you stay in the land. If they disobey the covenant by denying God, by denying their parents' honour, failing to care and provide for the ones who cared and provided for them, God promises not to bless the people like that, but to punish them by removing them as a people from the land that he's given them, and they will not live long in the land where he is. What we see is that people who live long in the land of God are characterised by a weightiness towards God-given authority. The people who live long in the land are characterised by a weightiness towards God-given authority. And this is exactly the same for us today. Who's, who's headed for Israel to live long in the land? No one. Maybe there's someone, I don't know. But no one. But we are all here headed towards the promised land in all its fulfilment. It's not honour your parents and you'll get the reward of heaven though the promised place of blessing where God will live with his people, it's describing the character of the people who belong to God. So, uh, the people who get to dwell in heaven won't get there because they've honoured their parents. The people who are there will be characterised as a people who do honour their parents. The promise isn't that you'll make it to 101 years old with one secret life hack or one secret method to prosperity by being polite to your parents. It's a correlation between the way the chosen people of God keep his covenant and the reward that the chosen people of God get. Have I, I know, everyone's tired, I can see. <laughs> Have we, do we understand that? Those people who love God and who want to honour the people he's put in authority over them, they sound like God's people. And they get the reward of living in eternity in the promised land with Jesus at the centre forever and ever. That's the blessing of honouring authority. 
We'll leave it there and we'll pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the great gift of authority that you've given us. Thank you for the parents that are in our lives, whether they've been flawed, whether we struggle with them or not. We thank you that you've given us parents. We know that it's often a struggle to honour. But we pray that you would help us to do this. Help us to forgive. Help us to esteem. Help us to speak well and care and provide for our parents. Lord, we need your strength as with everything. But for those who struggle to honour their parents, we desperately need your spirit's power to help us do these things. Lord, help us to obey you by sending your spirit into our lives. Give us the strength we need to give weight to our parents. In Jesus' name, amen.